The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. If you're here for the first time, we welcome you to this amazing church. We thank you for coming on this day, but we do say hello to our friends in Galveston, Texas, if you're listening this morning. And it's hard for me to believe, but this is one of the last three Sundays that I will have a chance to, to be your pastor, to be able to preach for you and with you. And it's like one of those things that I can't even begin to wrap my mind around. We have a wonderful, wonderful steering team who will be in charge of the process of helping to call a new pastor. You just saw Tim uh, Romana, who is just a talented person. There are many people like him in this church. What I want to share with you is, over the next three weeks, are three parts of the DNA of what this church is and always has been, and God willing, will always continue to be. That no matter what happens, no matter what tragedies or challenges or whatever happens in our personal lives or in the church life, that if we keep these main parts of DNA of who we are, that God will continue to bless this church. So today I want to offer a message, an adaptation of a message I offered in the movie theater. How many people were in the movie theater on their very first Sunday, way back there in 2006? Thank you for sticking with us. A couple of people went up in the booth. Thanks a lot for being here through these almost seven years. Today I'm going to offer a message called Meeting People Where They Are. And this has been the very heart of what Highlands Church is about. Let's have a prayer about it and then let's continue to talk about it. Father in heaven, we we know that you are bigger than we are, and so we confess to you that we don't know all things, we don't have all the answers, and yet we know that you do. And so we trust you with those answers. We also know, Lord, that you have chosen a pastor for the next part of the journey who will carry this church forward. You already know who that person is, and we thank you for that. Father, I also ask that on this day we remember who we are as a church, that we would always continue to go out and seek and save that which is lost. That was your mission statement, and that has always been ours. We pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. So this has been such a crazy time for Star and I and Haley. We've been trying to rent a house in Colorado Springs, and we're trying to rent our current house here, and so we're pulling out weeds in the yard that have been there for seven years, but we now have to pull out. And I mean, it's just been, you know, a very, very challenging time. But before this challenging time that we're in right now, Star and I had an amazing opportunity to visit the country of Italy. I was on a uh, work project, working on my doctoral project in Italy, and so I was looking at the footsteps of Paul. And there you see me standing in front of the prison in which Paul was imprisoned as he was writing the book of Philippians. Do you remember when I gave that message on Philippians and him writing that hope to outsiders? He wrote it from, this is the maritime prison, which is built right on top of the Praetorium in Rome. These are real facts. They are real historical events. Never forget that. That's the place where Paul wrote this book. So we saw many amazing things in Italy, but one of the most amazing things we saw was in a city called Florence, and it was a cathedral called the Duomo. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go to Florence and see the Duomo, but This is an amazing cathedral. It goes like 300 feet above the ground. But the most amazing thing is that in order to see Duomo, you literally have to crane your head because the distance between people standing on the street or shops and the Duomo is like between me and you there at the back of this room. It is so close. I mean, it's almost like the people who built that dome, that cathedral, wanted to make sure that that church 
was right in the middle of where people lived. I mean, right there you had t-shirt vendors and you had bankers and you had other salespeople out in the street and all kinds of dubious people and less dubious people and, and just all of the world was right there outside of that. And as I've thought about this, I've thought about Highlands Church. That was our model too from the beginning. That's why we had our church in the movie theater, the park cinemas. We wanted to be in a, a movie theater in a place where people were. Remember our first, our first uh, office was at the Kahuna Surf Shop. We could literally hear the surf music down below pumping up through the floors. Many of you were counseled with surf music coming through the floors. And we had NFL flag football camps out where people were. And we've had, remember my first Bible study was Timmy T's Bible study up there in the, in the pizza restaurant just up the way. Or movies under the stars. And whatever it is, we've not wanted it to be a place where people come to where we are. We've always wanted to be where people are. Even this church is right here with Walmart here and Albertsons and Cider Creek. This is where people are. This is where God wants this church to be. Now, as we think about that image of the Duomo, the cathedral right next to a whole bunch of people, I want you to think about Jesus as the Duomo, as the cathedral. We're going to take a look at the text that we looked at on the very first Sunday in the movie theater, the text of Zacchaeus, Jesus meeting Zacchaeus. Let's take a look at our text. We're looking at the book of Luke, chapter 19, 1 through 10. Listen for God's word. Now, Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho is a sort of -of out-of-the-way city. It's not a city you'd necessarily want to stay in. It was sort of like a Barstow, California. I'm sorry if you're from Barstow, but that's sort of the city it was. And they were, Jesus was passing through. Of course he was. Who would ever want to stay in Jericho? A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus literally means innocent. So Luke is trying to actually tell a joke here. He's a doctor, so he's a little bit like comedically challenged, but he's basically trying to tell a joke here. This is a man named Innocent, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. In, order, in other words, his job was to just go and get money from people. Um, so what was Zacchaeus like? Well, some have thought, well, he was like Danny DeVito, a sort of a comedian, uh, vertically challenged. And then some have thought, well, he's sort of like that guy from Princess Bride. You remember the one who said, inconceivable, sort of like him. But actually, I will tell you who Zacchaeus was most like. Zacchaeus is most like Dog the Bounty Hunter. Now, Dog is a very rough character. I don't even know if his name is Dog, but that's how he refers to himself. And what is Dog's job but to work for the government to go round up fugitives by whatever means necessary? Zacchaeus's job is to work for the Roman government and to go and round up money from people, whatever means necessary. Now, he wanted to see Jesus. Notice this man from the outside wants to see Jesus, but being a short man, he's vertically challenged. He could not because of the crowd. One of the great preachers, Earl Palmer, who was also vertically challenged, incidentally said that, you know, people who are shorter always have to think ahead. They, that's their gift in life. They think two steps ahead of everybody else. And Zacchaeus is going to do this. He is thinking ahead, where is Jesus going to be? So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. Again, this is, this is uh, Luke's attempt at humor. In the, in the Middle East, sycamore trees are not like California sycamores. They grow like thousands of feet. Here in, in the Middle East, it's like a tiny little shrub. So he was so vertically challenged that he has to go up a shrub in order to see Jesus, a tiny little tree. 
since he knew that Jesus was coming that way. See, he's thinking ahead. Jesus will be here at this moment. When Jesus reached the spot, notice this is the spot that Jesus knew that he was going to connect with Zacchaeus. It's like the spot in the movie theater. It's like the spot out there in the flag football field. It's like the spot where we want to reach people out there. When he reached the spot, he looked up. Another attempt by Luke at humor. Not very funny, but he didn't have to look up very much. And he said, innocent, pure one, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, we could go deeper into this text and explore this, but all of us have a house, right? Our house is our lives. And our goal is for Jesus to come into that house, the salvation to come into the house of our lives. So Jesus is saying, I must come into the house of your life, Zacchaeus. Now Zacchaeus scurries down, doesn't take him very long, and he welcomes him gladly. Hard to know what's going on in Zacchaeus' mind. Maybe he's feeling guilty, or, or maybe he has always wanted to connect with Jesus, but this is his first chance. Maybe some of you know what that feels like. He says, he welcomes him gladly. Now all the people saw this and began to mutter. Hebrew here is better, murmur. Rumor is on a poetic word, and it's what it sounds like. It's, it's a word that sounds like what it is. They're murmuring and they're muttering about this. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Hamartia is the Greek here. literally means offensive one. He has gone to be the guest of someone who offends me. Have you ever had someone who just offends you? You know, I've always noticed that whenever a church leaves its place, whenever a church goes outside of its walls to connect with people who are broken, they will always have people mutter about that place. I cannot tell you how many people, I cannot tell you how many times I've gone to ministers meetings in this town. Oh, you're the Bible light church. Oh yeah, pastor of the Bible light church over there. Oh yeah, you're the church that kind of waters it down for people. I am telling you the truth. If this church always stays with this mission statement to leave this place and to go out and connect, that's going to be the MO. But that's what they said about Jesus too. So if you can handle that, then God can continue to use this church. He has gone to be at the house of a sinner. Now Zacchaeus stood up. Another attempt at Luke humor. How do you know when Zacchaeus is standing up? He's so vertically challenged. And he said to the Lord, Look, Lord. Listen, he sounds like dog the bounty. Now look, Lord. Here I now give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody of anything, <laughs> yeah, right. You've cheated everybody. I will pay back four times the amount. You know the amazing thing here is that how did he get that four times the amount? Where did that come from? It came from the Bible. That is a very minute part of the book of Exodus. Zacchaeus knew the Bible. Do you know how many people who are outside the faith know the Bible? They just don't know who Jesus is. That's also the goal of a church who goes to help people meet people where they are. They, many of them actually know the stuff. They just don't know the person. Now, Jesus gives this famous sentence. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come into your house. Yeshua, that's his name, so it's a double entendre. Today Yeshua has come into your house. I have come into your house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He's one of the family. Just like the vina is one of the family. We said today, you are one of the family, and you were restored in God today. And here is Jesus' mission statement. Now, if you want to see the mission statement of Highlands Church, you just go outside the door. It's written outside the door. To help de-church people become fully devoted followers. That's it. The statement of Jesus' life, the reason he came. So the Son of Man came to seek and save what is lost. That's the reason he came. It wasn't to make religious people more religious. It wasn't to show off. 
It wasn't to say really deep things that people years later would go, wow, that's really deep. No. Jesus came to go out and seek and save what is lost. That was Jesus' mission statement, and that is our mission statement too. That has been our mission statement for seven years. So as I've said, it's been a really crazy time for my family. We're renting a house in Colorado Springs. We're trying to rent our house out here. We're trying to get all things, and we have meetings upon meetings upon meetings, and it's just been one of those times when we are so, so tired. And I was flying back from Colorado Springs the other day, which, by the way, is not so different from Paso Robles. To get to Colorado Springs, you've got to go Colorado Springs, Denver, Denver, L.A., L.A., San Luis Obispo, get in a car and go. It's not a huge city, in other words. It's similar in many regards. So I was so tired. I had one of these days where literally meetings from morning till evening, and I got on a plane from Colorado Springs and Denver, and then I had to get from there to Los Angeles. And literally all I wanted to do was be by myself on the plane. And planes, excuse me, are wonderful places for space, right? You can just hopefully have your little private space there and just you and God. Now, there was a person sitting next to me on this flight who did not want space. He wanted to talk with me a lot. Now, one of the things I've found is if you ever don't want to talk to somebody, it's quite rude to say, I don't want to talk to you. You can't do that, but you can open a book. And you just turn this direction and you read a book, and that usually tells people here that you don't necessarily want to talk. So I picked out my book, and it was a really bad choice of book because it said on the outside, bad religion. It was the name of the book, religion. Now, that was an area of conversation. He says, huh, are you religious? Here we go. Sort of religious. Anyway, reading my book, and hope you're well here. said, I'm religious too, he said. And then he pulled out a book from his bag. It was called the Book of Mormon. He said, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Can I tell you about my faith? I said, Lord, you have got to be kidding me. All I want is some space. (sighs) Now, I know a lot about Mormonism. I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. I knew Gordon B. Hinckley's grandson. I know that religion forwards and backwards, but this guy proceeded to tell me everything he knew. And it was so tempting, so tempting to, I wanted to just, I was in a bad mood anyway, but give all these arguments about why LDS religion has all this problems. I mean, I could have turned this guy into a piece of Swiss cheese. I mean, that wouldn't have been nice. I was so tempted to. But something in my mind said, no, Graham, just listen and meet him where he is. Meet him where he is. So we got through with the whole LDS theology and and then he said, you know, I, I live in Paso Robles. I said, huh, huh I know where that is. <laughs> he said, um, I don't really go to a ward anymore. I haven't for a long time. I said, huh. And I'm looking for a faith community, he said. He said, my mom died a year ago. Um, I've really been wrecked ever since that happened. I just need a place to be around people who love me. And will just kind of accept me and I can just be. I said, I think I know a place where you could go. It's a place that meets people where they are. And there are a lot of differences between the doctrine. And I know that hopefully along the way, somewhere along the way, somebody can help straighten them out. If you see a guy who has a Book of Mormon here for the next couple of weeks, just 
know that God sent this person to be here so you can meet him where he is. But that's how this church has been doing it since day one. And so what I want to just share with you are just a couple of thoughts about that as as we continue as a journey, as a church that continues to do that. The first thing is just never forget that that really has to be the mission statement, to go out and meet people where they are. So there were these other two missionaries who came by, and they knocked on the door of this older woman, and they wanted to share their stuff with her, and she said, I I want nothing to do with any of this. I don't have the energy. I don't want to talk to you. And so she slammed the door right in the face of these missionaries, and the door swung right back. It was quite weird. And so then she slammed the door even harder in the face of these missionaries, but then it swung back even faster. And she said, take your foot out of the door. And she slammed the door. She tried to push. She leaned against that door. And the missionary said, I would be happy to to leave, but you've got to get your cat out of the door first. (laughs) You will not miss my jokes. I know that much. At least you shouldn't miss my jokes. So why does it not work to go and do house calls in terms of sharing faith with people. Because nobody really wants to open a door and hear a whole theological diatribe. Have you ever opened the door and thought, you know what I really need right now is a whole bunch of theology? No. You need like your, your, your rug vacuumed, right? Or, or you need a cup of coffee right there, but you don't need a whole theological treatise. But that's because that's not meeting people where they are. This church has met people where, where they are again and again and again, whether it's the flag football camps, whether it's movies under the stars, whether it's going out, men on a mission, cleaning up neighborhoods, whether it's helping out parts of town on the north side here, helping people out, whatever it is, this church knows how to do this. One of my favorite stories about this is a pastor named Erwin McManus, who, who was a pastor in Los Angeles. He started a church called Mosaic, and now he's decided he wants to make movies, Erwin. So he's now going to be a full-time movie person. The problem is, if you know anything about Hollywood, religion and movies don't mix. Like down there, if you want to get into the film industry, you don't want to say you're religious. You don't want to say you're a pastor. You don't want to do any of that. So finally, Irwin gets a meeting with these movie executives in Bel Air. It took him two months to get this this meeting. And these are the guys that could fund a project that he would want to do. It's just as you might imagine. He goes up and he rings the buzzer and the two big gates open up at Bel Air and he drives up that walkway and then he gets to the front. There's a butler up front and he takes him to these two guys who are sitting there and, and basically they say, now Irwin, you've got 20 minutes, go. Give us your project and then we've got to go. So Irwin, he, he tries not to say anything about God or pastor stuff because he knows that is a deal killer out in Hollywood. And, and so he just, he just tells him this, this movie and 20 minutes later these guys are not impressed. And one of them says, well, I'm, you know, I don't know if that's going to work for us, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Vanity of vanities, all is a vanity. Isn't that what the book of the Bible says? Solomon said, one of these movie directors. Irwin had to make a big decision. Do I say something about my faith now or not? And he decided to. He said, you know, I've always thought that's where Solomon was wrong. That vanity of vanities is not how the world works. There is a purpose for the world. And I said, I really would like to hear about that how do you know that? Erwin said, because I'm a pastor. And this guy said, well, I have a two-hour lunch tomorrow. Would you like to meet me for lunch? Two hours? And by the way, let's do his movie. Is that, is that okay if we do your movie? And is this enough money for your movie? See, if Erwin had gone in there and tried to like, like evangelize these movie guys, it wouldn't have worked. He had to go in there and speak their language. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to work in that conversation. So that's, that's number one. We've got to keep being that church, and you know how to do that. Number two, we need to never forget that Jesus came and met us where we are. That Jesus came down as a human being 2,000 years ago. He lived with us. He, he ate with us. He, he sang with us. He healed us. He, he taught us, and then he died for us, and then he came back to life again. He met us where we are. And if you know who Jesus is, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then you know what I'm talking about. He met you where you are, wherever that is. And he continues to want to meet you where you are if you haven't connected with him, wherever that is in your life. And the value you are to God is way more than anything in this whole world. One of the great stories I love, I heard recently, Yo-Yo Ma, the great cellist, who was probably one of the greatest cellists in the history of cello music, he actually lost his, his cello. So Yo-Yo played in Carnegie Hall for an amazing, amazing concert, and, and he uh, went home that day. He was so tired, and he slept the entire next day. He slept all day long, and then he had a concert on the other side of town, and so he put the cello in the trunk of a cab, and then he went down to the other side of town, and then he paid the cab, and the cello went with the cab. As soon as the cab pulled away, he knew was, he tried to wave down the cab, but he couldn't somehow get his attention. So he called up the cab company immediately, and he said, I just lost my cello in, in a car. I'm Yo-Yo Ma. I've lost my cello. And, and the cab person said, well, tell me about the cab. And, and Yo-Yo said, it, it's yellow. It's a yellow cab. <laughs> the guy said, I can't help you. There's a thousand yellow cabs in New York City. So all day long, Yo-Yo was very depressed about the fact that he had lost this, this not just, it's a $2.5 million cello, and it was made in the 1700s in Vienna. And he, not just that, but this is his prize instrument. This is a, a relationship he had with this instrument. That evening, as he is going through his pockets, he found a piece of paper. It was a receipt that had the number of the cab on it. He called up the cab company. He said, I found the cab. They tracked down the cab. It was in a bad side of Queens in the trunk of the car, still in a parking garage. They brought, the cab driver brought Yo-Yo Ma's instrument to him, and Yo-Yo said that it was almost even more amazing to have that instrument the second time than the first. In, in our lives, we are a thousand times more valuable than a cello. A thousand. And God came into this world to go and get you and you and you and you and you and Zacchaeus and me. He came for that reason. And when we are restored a second time like the vena was restored today, all of heaven celebrates. So that's the second thing. Jesus came for us. The last thing is this. I just want to say a few things over these next couple of weeks that, that I want to say from my heart because I won't have much more opportunity. And I just want to say thank you for meeting me where I was seven years ago. I don't know if you know much about my story, but I tried to start a church in Texas way back when that was a complete failure. And then I went up to Red Bluff, California, and that was not the greatest success story. But then when they asked me to be a pastor of this church, I mean, I was not a pastor who had much confidence. Seven years ago, and by the way, confidence is something you want your pastor to have. I wasn't sure about me or my ministry or what I was doing or whether it was a good idea to still be a pastor. I mean, I need you to know it was, 
it was me going to do something else other than be a pastor if this call didn't work. That is the honest truth. And I want to thank you for meeting me where I was seven years ago. And I came in with not a lot of confidence and a lot of goofy ideas. I mean, do you remember that men's day barbecue that we had out here on the construction site? Anyone here at that thing? 110 degrees on a construction site. I don't know why that was a bad idea. It was a terrible idea. But you all came out, and you, you met me where I was. And, you know, there were 47 churches in Pastor Robles then. And there were four attempted startup churches already happening. There was a church called The Vine down the way, and there was a Methodist new church development, and there was a Golden Hills community. I mean, these churches were going for it. But you, you decided to stick with us and meet us where we are. And we continue to have dumb ideas that you've just continued to come along with. A long time ago, there once was this Christmas Eve service. It was a long time ago, and we decided to start the sermon that day with a video of Tim Tebow on Saturday Night Live. Wait a minute, that was this last Christmas Eve. That was not our best idea. We know that. But you met us where we are. And I want to thank you for that, and the word for that is grace. You've had grace with me. And I know you'll have grace with whoever is called to be your pastor. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, you are the great graceful one. We have all these little arguments of theology that we think are so smart. And some of them are. But Lord, you could pick apart our arguments and make us into Swiss cheese. Our lives are these attempts at being righteous. And yet you know that we are fallen that you're the only one who can heal us. And so on this day, Father, we ask that you would continue to heal us and restore us. We thank you for the four baptisms today, and we ask that there will be many, many, many more. Because, Father, you came to seek and to save that which is lost. And we know that this church wants to do the same thing. In Jesus' name we pray, and all the people said. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.